Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. My name is Adam Homey. I am your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in, us, invest in yourself today. As the name says, our listeners are business creators. We have our entrepreneurs, small business owners, local business owners. We have the marketing and business coaches, consultants, and mentors. We have the folks who help others create their businesses, and we have the do-it-yourselfers who like to have your own hands on the levers as you market and grow. If you are one or more of the above, and in fact, many of our listeners who tune in every week are all of the above, please take a moment, explore episodes, discover how we help you win at the game of business and marketing at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You'll also find us on awesome places like iTunes. Be sure to subscribe. Just look for Business Creators Radio Show. Every five-star rating is greatly appreciated. helps us serve more business creators just like you. And when you subscribe, you'll get fresh content delivered directly to your iTunes every single week and immediate access to over 225 episodes on a breadth and depth of topics related to business creators just like you. For today's episode, this is a topic that I love, and I can never get enough of this. In fact, many of our listeners can never get enough of this. One of the groundhog principles that I share is how to use minimalism to maximize your profits and your efficiency in your business. And one of the best ways to do that is to grow your business in creative time using digital automation. And we have somebody with us today who's going to give you a ton of information on this. I'm going to introduce him now. His name is Michael Devolano. And I'll tell you very briefly, he's a senior cloud and app consultant. He's the founder of Cloud Advisory LLC and the acclaimed author of Automate and Grow, a Blueprint for Startups. Small to medium businesses to automate marketing, sales, and customer support. Now, uh, I'm going to let Michael tell you the rest of his story here in just a second because it's very, very exciting. But first, Michael Devolano, I want to uh, welcome you aboard. Come on in. The weather is fine. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I love the energy on the show, too, and you've had some great guests, so I, I feel pretty honored to be part of that uh, roster. Well, I'm just I'm just the man next to the man here. In fact, based on what I've <laughs> seen about you as I've looked you up, I'm almost worried that I might be qualified to be on my own show with you. As, as oh, guest. I'm sure you're so, right. Actually, <laughs> actually, that's where I'd like to start. As our listeners know, what i like sure. to do is kick off, before we get into the main topic, by having our guests just share a little bit about their journey, um, their personal experiences, their background, whatever it is that has passionately driven them down the line to move them to where they are today, serving business creators from the intersection of their own brilliance and passion. So, Michael, take it away. Sure. Um, so where to begin? I was a young boy in the country. No, um, so let's see. I, <laughs> so was I. I grew up in I, the country, too. <laughs> I, I have a background in um, kind of two areas. One is uh, kind of like broadband telecom, but mainly before uh, after that was really around wireless data. So I, I kind of worked in a few different um Kind of corporations that were, you know, where I was in a role basically as an application consultant before there were really good tools. So back in those days, what we call today IoT, where it's like Internet of Things, we were doing that before there were fast networks, before there were uh, any 
useful devices and before there was any software platforms. So it was a pretty challenging equation where you're trying to connect devices to devices or you're trying to get, you know, field or remote workers or vehicles to communicate information back to the company. Um, but then this thing, you know, probably about 10 years ago happened with iPhone where, you know, that came out and that was a huge change to that space where suddenly it was legitimized as more of a mass market and the concept of an app was, you know, becoming mainstream. And I, I broke out on my own and I started building uh, basically as an agency other people's product. So I was working right. really around building iPhone and Android apps and then even software as a service backend. And I've been doing that since about 2010. So you can imagine I work with, uh, you know, a breadth of clients um, doing that. Um, sometimes they're startups or, um, you know, whether funded or not, you know, they kind of self-funded. And sometimes it's businesses that need help in that area. And the, one of the first projects I got was this thing, um, was building basically an iPad front end and a back end on force.com, which is Salesforce's development environment. And we won top five at their developer competition in 2010. And that really kind of opened my eyes, though, to not just building digital products, and scaling those, but also the concept of being able to automate your business using a platform. And that's really kind of how I got my teeth cut in this area. And I've really, um, I only take on certain app projects now. I really focus mainly on business um, growth and automation and primarily as a Salesforce consultant. That's great. And, you know, in my experience, I've been in business for 14 years myself, and I've seen the terminology change where, especially within the past five to seven years, We've been starting to hear more about apps. I mean, it's to the point where we look at the human brain and we call that a very powerful app. And one of the things that I've mm -hmm. worked with in terms of my consulting and my work uh, hands-on with clients over the many, many years is finding ways to daisy-chain things together because uh, to actually go out and develop your own thing has gotten a lot more simple in some ways and in some ways less cost-prohibitive. But the fact is mm -hmm. many business creators – the off-the-shelf does tend to be, in many cases, the best way because if they want to go and have something built custom, they're going to be just delaying their launch. So my recommendation is if you want the full custom thing, launch your damn business and then get your customers to pay for right. it and have all the development time you need. So a lot of the work that we do with our startups and our small to mediums is working with them to daisy-chain things together. Things have gotten a little bit easier with uh, the increase mm -hmm. in availability of API integrations. Right. And and companies, especially companies that serve for, mod for marketing automation purposes, recognizing that they have a lot more to gain by working together and, and designing their systems so that they can plug into each other rather than just trying to compete. So these are very positive developments. And what I'd like to do, actually, is kind of dive in and talk beyond marketing and ask you, Michael, what are the four main areas of business that can be automated? So I think the, the the key areas are the first thing, you, regardless, if you're a business owner today, I think you're in a digital business, whether you realize it or not. And we're we're we've spent like the last ten years seeing, to your point, there's a ton of tools to automate things that you don't have to build things from scratch, and you can access them without a major investment. In the sense that I can rent a lot of applications as software as a service. So I think this is a really right. exciting time. So I, I think that for me, the four areas, the first area really, though, is your product. And, when, and really what that is, is how can I address my customer problem with a digital product that I create? So you talk about development. 
I don't think it's logical to build your own marketing, sales, or support tools. To your point, there's lots of options out in the market now, unless that's your product. Yep. But for automating your own business, uh, I think you can look for a platform. But for you know, building a digital product is really the most scalable thing that's out there because the idea is I can use an app or a software as a service application or maybe it's digital content and I can solve my customer's problem with a digital product. It scales a lot easier than maybe a product that requires me to hire more people or build more infrastructure like factories or products or, you know, hard goods. So that's the first area is the product. And then really it's those other three areas, which is your marketing, sales, and support. You want to basically look at how you can automate processes within those or the entire process. Right. Yeah. And, and see, sometimes it's just the little things as well. Uh, one thing I've seen over the past few years, and, and Michael, you or, or a member of your team experienced a piece of that just as we were getting you onto the Business Creators Radio Show, is we have automated the entire process of getting a guest on. Uh, you, know, right. you know, we, I can't remember, I can't remember if we found you or you were recommended to us by, uh, one of the many great podcasting agencies out there, but one way or another, we became connected. <laughs> I love, yeah, I, I remember I, I, I found you one way or another, whether you came to me or I came to you, I really liked what I saw. I'm thinking, yes, I really want this person on my show. So I had my people contact your people to say it was a go, but from that point forward, everything's automated. You or somebody right. on your team filled out a form that gave us all the information we need to make this an awesome interview. I mean, literally everything we need in that form. You fill it out completely, we're good right. to go. And then to get you booked on this show, we then had you, uh, we then had you um, uh, do a scheduler. And uh, that was very simple, too, so that you could uh, plug yourself into the calendar to be on today's show and then get notifications of it. Uh, same thing with... Anybody who wants to speak with me for any reason, even existing clients know, if you really want to rile me, ask me a question like, uh, when do you have time to talk? Because I'm yeah, going to exactly. say for the, 70, <laughs> Look at my schedule. Say for the 500th time, go to schedulewithask.com. You don't even have to check with me to ask if it's okay. Just go do right. it. Complete strangers. I, I'm, I'm saying this publicly. Complete strangers can yeah. come on. The schedule is adam.com right now and book time with me about whatever the hell you want to talk about. If I don't want to, if I don't want to do it, I'll politely cancel it. But the fact is, I can't remember the last time I've had to. So I'm, that's yeah, one of those little I think things. that's a great I, area, right? With, like, yeah. Before I, you had to like go client. back and forth and back and forth. Oh, and you're, back you're trying and to forth. say, hey, what do you got? What do I got? Right? Whereas yeah, you've, you've yeah, got apps like yeah. Calendly or you've got Schedule Ones. Or you, uh, yep, Omnify is another one, and yep. and they allow you to basically take your calendar and publish what you're willing to do as far as office hours. Uh, for people that are coaches and consultants, they know that they can use one of these many products to productize their time. So you can make it so that not only do I book in with you, but I got to pay for that time. So it's kind of interesting. I think that's one area that's probably um, you know under the radar, but I've seen the greatest improvement in you know just a simple thing is no longer having those threaded emails. It's like, here's my link and, you know, grab my uh, time and publish. You know, it's, and that's a yeah. great example of one way that you can automate a small part of your day. And imagine if you have a bigger company where you're taking scheduling from being a manually um, campfire type oh, conversation oh, oh, oh. to boom, right? And whether you're field service uh -huh. 
or your consulting or you know anything that re revolves around time for money, I think your calendar fills up a lot easier and you eliminate the back and forth that you would chew up. Yeah, that's, that's very true. And I've been in situations back when I used to work for um, other companies where uh, it fell on me to schedule uh, conferences between nine different people. And the thing right. that made it the most difficult was some of them had administrative assistants who did not know how to read their calendars. That was the biggest <laughs> problem. Yeah. I, seriously, they seriously they would tell you that their that their that their boss was available while looking at their computer screen and looking at a time that was already filled. I kid you not. Whether they were even doing it on purpose, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, that but now we can kind that. of eliminate some, people doing that. And I, I think right, I think you right. hit on a you know something that I talk about at the beginning. You were kind of talking about how yeah. we want business owners, but also people that work for the business, whether it's a big business or small business to increase their creative time, increase their, yeah. you know, people talk about productivity. I don't think in terms of productivity. I think that we lose when we try to make people productive. I think that productivity right. to me is something that I want to automate. So it's like if something is repetitive but important, I want to try to find a tool of some sort and take that process the human being was following. Can I, you know, push it out so that person's free to do something that's higher value and premium? Because I think yeah. that's really the future. Like, People look at the concept of automation, it's scary, and it sounds like a factory, and it sounds like yeah. robotic. And I kind of, you know, I, I use robots a lot in my posts just because to me it's oh. tongue-in-cheek because I, I don't believe that, <laughs> I don't believe that robots will replace humans. I think they're going to free us. And even right. even things like AI, those are, those are to me decision support tools, or they're going to crunch such big data. But I think you still then, what, what are people really good at? Those, it's probably going to be you know, things like relationships. It's probably going to be things that are higher touch. And then you can make that interaction. Like, you know, I use the example of a customer service um, experience. Like one of the worst experiences oh, you can have is calling into a call center, right? Absolutely horrible. Because we're trying to take people, uh -huh. remove the humanity from it, and we're yeah. you know, especially a big, big company, and you're getting transferred. They're trying to look up answers that you could look up yourself. And it's not really a great uh -huh. use of people's time. And then the people you know internally that are managing them are judging them like a robot. They're saying, oh, how long yep, were you on? How true. quickly did you resolve it? And the result is terrible. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Right? So whereas I think the modern approach great. to that is you use technology to say, how do I provide the customer with self-service support? How do I let them right. find their own answers? And then the point where they finally would interact with a person is like a last-ditch resort, or it's for something that I get paid extra for. So it's like, well, if you would like, you know, if you would like a high-touch person that's really knowledgeable and it's very specific, you have a support agreement, or you can pay for interaction. And then you're monetizing that, but you're also lessening the burden, and you're taking away from one-to-one -one that's not scalable, which like a phone call is the least scalable thing that you can have, right? So that should be oh a premium God. interaction. You know, and I think uh -huh. that's that's just a really good example. And I kind of got off on a tangent on that, but I think that's an area where no. you're, you're you're freeing people up to do a lot better work, and you're improving the customer experience, right? Even um, think of the concept of you know customer communities. Like when customers are supporting each other, wow, that's no burden probably on the company. You're paying for a platform where you're allowing them to interact, and you maybe you're moderating it. And then the articles that you're giving your internal people to use to give answers one-to-one -to, -one to customer over telephone, 
why not just expose that through a knowledge base? And I think that's what we're seeing right. is customers are researching purchases, but also problems 80% or 90% of the time before they ever try to contact you. So yeah. give them those resources. And I think that's part of the automation yeah. journey that, uh, you know, and, it, and the, you know, this journey varies by company. You could have a really big scale um, experience or it can be small. Like you be a solo entrepreneur and you can find those four or five or six things that you can push out and deliver a good experience without it taking up your time. Um, and then big companies, you know, that's a different, you know, equation all the sale together. But there's, yeah. there's a, there's an automation journey for each of those, like in everything in between. Right. Just one other thing that came to mind here. This is one of the things I rail about. When companies send out broadcast emails, like their e-newsletter or anything, promoting their <laughs> webinars, their products, or anything like that, or any nurturing or keep-in-touch type emails that an opt-in subscriber should expect to receive, and they'll send those emails from some address like no reply at domain.com, <laughs> and then if you yeah. attempt to reply to it, you get this autoresponder <laughs> that says, uh, a human being does not monitor this if you need attention from us, uh, please go here to fill out a ticket, and we'll respond within three sure. to five days. Yep. Okay, That's let me get on my right? soapbox oh my for 90 God. seconds here, Michael. <laughs> let, me, let, me up for 90, oh let me up for 90 seconds here. 90 seconds. Here we yeah. go. First of all, if they're replying to your email, that means they're interested. Get rid of the freaking barrier. Number two, number two, the way People were so concerned about Gmail and Outlook and, and the tabs that cause these emails to go into the promotions tab, which is like the spam mm -hmm. tab. You want to get more yep. of your emails in the primary tab? Here's how you do it. You send those broadcast emails from a real address that's checked by a real human being, and when people respond to it, you write back and forth from that address. The algorithms will see that's a real address that people have two-way conversations with, and they'll start to view those emails as actual service emails and rate them higher so they start to find their own way over the primary. Number three, let's look at ticket, ticket technology for creating support tickets. Right, any case management. Support system, any, yeah, case management, exactly. Any yep. software out there that is worth investing in allows you, even though there's a place you can log in and, and uh, you can look up your ticket number, whether it's you, the business owner, or the customer who has the issue to track it, even though you can log in any time and look at your ticket history and reply from within there, the entire interaction can be done by email. So you set up your broadcast emails so that if you want to do tickets, if somebody replies to it, it just automatically generates a ticket. And then within a much better time frame than three to five business days, how about, how about three business hours? How about that's more like it? Yep. You have a and ticket. We call that email to case, whoever, right? So it's like, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Email to case. Yeah. And whoever's responsibility is to watch the tickets, they grab that ticket, and then they assign it to the right department, and then they, get, and then they make a touch. And then that is, then you get everything. You get the automation and the streamlining of the ticket system, and you get the ease of use where your prospect and your customer do not have to log in and fill out a damn support ticket. Okay, off the soapbox. I think now. everything That's you're talking about automation. goes to yeah, exactly. Well, and you know, we get caught up in the automation story around tools and technology, and I think right. That's where a lot of people fall down because they get overwhelmed by what the hell do I do? <laughs> which is part of my motivation in writing Automate and Grow, which was really to simplify it and create a, a framework where I don't care if you're a solopreneur or a large corporation, you go through kind of these, you know, the sequence of 
a thought process to figure out what's the customer experience I want to drive, right? Like, what is it that I'm trying to accomplish? So, like, what problem am I solving for the customer? How am I attracting that ideal customer? How am I getting them to buy? And then once they have, I have them buy, how do I keep them? And I think that's the conversation that has to happen. And that's, that's kind of what I talk about in Automate Grow, where I give you a framework where you can kind of think it through. And then the idea is then you pick the technology and, and do the work so that you're creating that customer experience. Now the customer at least is, you know, not um, a victim of your experimentation where you're like trying right. to haphazardly support them, you know, <laughs> or trying to haphazardly yeah. connect with them or haphazardly sell to them, right? So now you've thought it through, you have uh, kind of like a work, you know, a, a game plan. And then when you're building technology, all that stuff should talk to each other and, you know, give you a tool that you can actually implement so it's not terrible, right? It's got to be good for internal employees and it's got to be good for external customers and partners, right? So I think that's kind of the goal is like, think it through, what customer experience do you want them to have? How does that break down each of these silos of product, marketing, support, and sales? And then action it, like, you know, figure out what the first steps are and then, you know, put something in place to help you do that. And that's kind of what I think is really important. People just throw a tool at a problem. It's like a fire and a fire hose, right? We don't want to approach it that way. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like when e-learning became a hot thing in the mid uh, 2000s, uh, that first decade. Mm -hmm. I remember when I was involved in training development. E-learning was hot. And I saw this, there was this cartoon that used to show up in everybody's PowerPoint. And it was the manager of training on one side of the desk and the uh, the CFO on the other side, or the CEO. And the executive mm -hmm. was saying to the training manager, and saying, I'm not sure exactly what this e-learning thing is, but I heard our competition has one, so order us two. Let's get it. <laughs> yeah, let's it's go, funny. Let's I, had a, I had a conversation today let's with someone. Let's get two e-learning, so whatever it is. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. I, I was talking to someone that um, who sells to banks, and um, they were saying that banks are very much – at least in their country, in Canada, are very much copycat. And it's like, well, they've got it, so we got to get it. And my, you know, my question was, uh, so what you're saying is if they made a huge mistake, you're just going to copy that? <laughs> and that, so I don't think that's the right approach, which is be, you know, like just jump on it because everybody else has got one. I think that's where right. you got to have like a game plan. And the only way you come up with a game plan is to kind of think through these four silos and ask yourself specific questions. And then it's like, well, we can pick our own stuff and we can implement it the way we need it to work so that we are delivering our experience. And I think the differentiators now are going to be who creates that great customer experience and who has and part of that is great product. And then part of it is, you know, that whole journey through marketing, sales and then support. Yeah, I yeah. And you're absolutely right about that. And, I, and I'll tell you, you know, when I've been I've been in companies and I've worked with clients and. As soon as I hear the phrase, well, that's the way we've always done it, I, uh, I, I, can't, hold <laughs> back. I, I can't hold back on it. My answer to that yeah. is, you know, you know, literally the only thing that phrase means is that somehow you're still in business despite the fact that you did it that way yesterday. Mm -hmm. That tells me nothing about whether or not that's what you actually need to be doing. In fact, when I hear that phrase, I usually hear the word stagnation. So please tell me more. Yeah, and you know, I, I don't know if you've read uh, Automate and Grow yet, but what I think the way I approached it was, one, I think the very first chapter talks about, uh, you know, kind of the barriers to people addressing this. And it's usually, you know, like there's a whole bunch of them, like fear, it's the way we've always done it. So there's like the complacency element. 
And I think you've really, as a business, have a psychology, right? Whether you're one person or a thousand yeah. people or a hundred thousand people, and the leadership of that business in any of those scenarios, the first thing you need to do is think about why you're not doing this. Because the, the reality of it is where we're at. Think about ten years ago is when the smartphone came out, and think about yeah. all the changes in our society and the way we do business just because of that. And probably parallel to that is like you know, web business applications as opposed to just websites. So those two things, just think of how everything's changed from 2007 to 2000, you know, now 18. The next 10 years are going to be more disruptive because there's, yeah. there's technologies that are going to change. Probably, I think there's, uh, you know, if you go by what Peter Diamanda says, and I quote him a fair amount um, on this topic, he says there's six transformational digital technologies or exponential digital technologies. And so it's not just two, it's six. <laughs> so it's like, yes, yeah. computers and networks are still creating this evolution, but AI, robotics, 3D printing, and if you're in the medical space, like there's um, you know, synthetic biology and digital medicine. So those technologies are going to take what we saw the last 10 years and that rate of change, and I think it's going to go like times three or four or five. <laughs> like, so if you're, if you're not addressing this stuff, you got to get over your fear. You've got to get over your complacency, and you got to have the conversation and take the leadership. And you don't have to be a techie person to do it. You have to be a business leader to do it. You just have to be willing to have that conversation. I think because it's to your point, Very true. it's not only stagnation, but it's probably death. Because I think in ten years, whoever your customer is and whatever problem they're solving, it's not what you're selling them today that they're going to be using in ten years. It's not even going to look the same. Maybe you know, it's probably going to be something else on some other technology, or if it's not even a technology, it's going to be on a technology. So I just think, I think it's a conversation, now's the time. If you if you listen to most uh, futurists and, uh, you know, prognosticators, they're saying that we are now exiting the third industrial revolution, and we're entering the fourth industrial revolution. And the third one was all about computers, electronics, and networks, and it became digital. But the fourth is now really about the automation of digital and making it autonomous. So we're like we're like the I would say we're the first year of that next curve. And that next curve is going to be exponential. So you're either part of it or you're part of the old curve and you're going to go off a cliff. <laughs> That's very true. That's very true and you know just um I, I want to ask you about this thing called transformational products, but I just got to say one thing. Uh, our listeners um who have been in the web design space for a while will probably still remember when even though the whole world had moved on, they still had to build all these extra cascading style sheets and, oh my and, God, uh, yes, yes, and yes. frames and everything to accommodate yeah. Internet Explorer 6, which has been rated one of the 20 worst softwares ever developed. But they had to accommodate uh, in, Internet yeah. Explorer 6 because uh, of studies that showed that 17% it's of people it. still use Internet Explorer uh. 6. Now, for all the years we held on to IE6 and uh, – and uh, what I, you know, towards the end of my time with the web design firm, before I closed it down, uh, when, we, when we had already moved, uh, you know, past uh, Dreamweaver sites into WordPress sites, is we would start doing is we would start installing a plugin on the WordPress sites. And if somebody tried to access it with Internet Explorer 6, it would basically say to them, stop using that ancient piece of crap browser <laughs> and upgrade. Yeah. The site just doesn't support it. So imagine having an Internet Explorer 6 website in the age of mobile. And while, so, and while there was so much pressure to keep accommodating Internet Explorer 6, 
if your automation does not keep up with the times, there ain't nobody going to be building special plugins and CSS sheets for you. You're just going to be left by the wayside, which is what should have happened to Internet Explorer 6. And those are pretty early days, right? So I think now what you're seeing yeah. is we're at a level of sophistication where by, by, by pretending this doesn't exist and these trends are not happening and these expectations from customers don't exist, you're getting left far behind. And I think I see the realities of AI. I see the realities of, you know, robotics. And uh, I also see the realities of the labor market, right? Like, I, don't, I saw this really interesting. Anyways, I'll, I'll talk about that in a second. But um, I think the truth is now is the time. It doesn't have to be a panicked look. It doesn't have to be like, you know, the world is, is ending. It has, it, but it can be a really fun and engaging thought process of, hey, this is the reality of the next 10 years. How do we capitalize on it? What's available to us? What do we want that customer experience to be? Because that's the most important thing as a customer and how you're exceeding their expectations or anticipating my thing. And I think that all this automation, the growth is not going to happen unless you do that. And I think you can buy all the technology tools in the world, and unless you think through it that way and then have a game plan and then start executing against it, like it can't be, it's just not, you know, you're going to lose. That's just the reality of it. Someone younger, hungrier, faster is going to jump on the next thing and do it. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And then, so, um, wow, this uh, I, I was kind uh, of segueing, uh, by the way. I was segueing. Yeah, I, before I lose the thoughts. <laughs> um, yeah. I saw this really interesting study, and I don't know if you saw it. A friend of mine sent posted this up a few days ago, and it was the trend of people that work for big companies versus freelancers. And they're saying that by 2027, okay. that, that, that right now, you know, more people obviously work for companies. But by 2027, right. that trend is going to change, and you're going to have more people that are freelancers. And I think where that's both an opportunity, it's, it's, I think that's actually a threat against people that just automate in large scenarios. Because I think if... If you're um, if you're if you have a choice to have a high touch boutique type relationship with a freelancer, I think a lot of people will go that way. At the same time, the freelancer needs to make sure that their most valuable asset, their time, is maximized. So they need they have yeah. very accessible, inexpensive tools now, where you can hey I can create a website that gets somebody onto my platform, and my platform being my content my email sequences, my chatbot, like chatbots are crazy. Like we could talk about that. That's really an interesting thing. And, uh, you know, they get, I get them in my social platform. I get them in my digital sales experience to the point where when they finally interact with you as the freelancer, even a freelancer needs to just kind of think through this. And it doesn't have to be a six-month thing. It's like, you actually, I, we created like a 30-day challenge as part of Automate and Grow. And that's like oh. for 30 bucks. Yeah, it's kind of... Some people, you know, it might be the right thing, especially if you're a freelancer. For like 30 bucks, you can uh, jump on. There's 30 days of video and a part of a workbook that comes with uh, the book um, that you can download. And you can come up with your own game plan, I think, in a really short period of time just by following that. And you got like a, in 30 days, you got your game plan. And then you're picking your technology and implementing wow. it right. So I, I don't think this has to be a six or a 12 month thing. I think it's begin, do it. And I think that's obviously it's more complex in a bigger company, but if you're an individual, like you have, you can move quick and you can do some cool stuff. Thirty days from now, you could be looking bigger than you really are, <laughs> and maybe yeah. you know capitalizing yeah. on that that boutique feel, right? Like I think those are opportunities that you have. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing I see with automation, I ran across this just yesterday. Um, one of uh, one of our clients has been wanting to implement live chat on their website for a long time, and mm -hmm. I've said. 
I think, and I told them, I think live chat is a great idea. Um, however, there's another person in the business that says, oh, come on, that's a waste of space. Can't we put more pictures uh, or something like that? Now, what I've seen people do is when they use Facebook chatbot systems, and I think, I think ManyChat does this. I'll have to check my account. I think it does, where you can install a chat box on your website, and it'll, when, you, when somebody types into it, it will immediately go to the inbox of your business page on Facebook so that mm-hmm. you can have a concentrated chat inbox, and then anybody who's handling your chat stuff just make them an admin of that page. They see the inbox and can right. respond to your stuff. Exactly. And it'll go out Isn't under, that crazy? Your, under your business name. That's a, that, that is a quick and that is, I mean, you want to talk about quick and dirty. Uh, the upscale version of these chatbots systems, like ManyChat, for example, and I know there are others that are just as good, is like, what, $11 a month? It's nothing. And you're, some of them you're are free to start. that straight into something you're – yeah, yeah, so, yeah, some of them are free to start. But and and for people that don't know, like – still talking like – yeah. And I don't know. Do people know what a chatbot is? I don't know a if chat people bot, know on, yeah. on the show, but – Yeah, let, let's, let's, define our, let's define our terms very quickly, um, and you give sure. the definition. Uh, I don't know if I have the, the proper one, but essentially, like, I, I'm just going to look at the example of Facebook, but most of these social platforms – they have messengers, and what they're doing is they're opening up as a platform so you can automate conversations between people that are sending you a message or on uh, on a messenger, and they can get replies back based upon what they're asking you. So you're kind of anticipating the types of conversations you have, and you can teach it to basically reply with the right information or answer. So conceivably, and Facebook's been, I think, brilliant at this, like Facebook has just opened up an amazing platform that we can all use. And then there's entrepreneurs, like you mentioned, there's services that have taken that, you know, Goop, that platform, and they've built a product so that you can actually build your imaginary conversation with, a, you know, an ideal client. And then when that ideal client messages you, they're getting responses without you responding. <laughs> so, that, I don't know, chat right. are across different platforms, but I think the Facebook one's really interesting. What other platforms do you yeah. see chatbots on? I know that Instagram probably has it. I'm trying to think of some other ones, but Twitter they, probably has they, it. Right? I think they do. I haven't had a chance to look into this yeah. that deeply. Most of my experience up until as of our interview here has been with Facebook. I mean, but just the power that Facebook's it has. Facebook's great. And no, that, yeah, and no, first of all, the chatbots are not spammy. That's the first thing. This is not spam. This right. is not going out to people who have no interest in hearing from you and blowing up their messenger inbox. The bots mm-hmm. are triggered by the recipients taking an action, clicking a link that says, right. yes, send me more, uh, clicking a button yeah. that says, yes, I want to speak with a human being. And you can unsubscribe from the bots at any time, so your rights as a subscriber are protected. I think you just type the word stop or something like that, and right. away it goes. It's something, it's something real simple like that, just like unsubscribing from text messaging. So uh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's another thing you can automate, too. So... Let's say I want yep. to do my customer service, and I want to put a chat box on my website, uh, so, you know, like a live chat support. And uh, during the hours that our offices are closed, or let's say that um, we want to, you know, sort of have people self-select how urgent their issue really is, as soon as they type in that box, if nobody's available to immediately respond to them, uh, we can say, Hey, just wanted to let you know that uh, we got your message. Our standard uh, response time is 90 minutes or whatever it is. If this is an actual emergency, call our toll-free number now. And you can have the bot tell them to do that. So 
95% of the people say, no, this is cool. Just wait for them to get back to me. I'll wait an hour. No big deal. But for the 5% where the house is actually on fire, they now have, they now have a place they can go. Right. It's crazy. Like when you think about like how accessible that platform is, if you're an individual out there, you could start playing with this on your Facebook business page and you could come up with something simple and then build on it over time. It's like you have the power at your fingertips of basically an, you know, an AI or a robot in your business like right now. Right. <laughs> I don't care what right. your business right. is. If someone's sending you a message or, you know, I've seen where to your, I think you kind of talked about this a little bit, which is, you know, maybe I'm buying Facebook ads to attract my ideal client, and I got this super targeting platform of Facebook ads, and when they click, yeah. yeah, I want more information, it pops up in their messenger window, and then that entire give and take of their requesting information, you're sending it to them, and there's prompts back and forth, it could be automated, so you don't have to actually be there. It could be two in the morning, you're sleeping, and they're getting responses back, trying to further that person through either their customer support journey or their marketing yeah. sales journey and their buying journey, right? Yeah, yeah let me... And you yeah, can be like yeah, a solopreneur me, and do it. It's kind of crazy. Anyways, yeah. that's one platform let, let, I'm pretty me, excited about. Yeah, exactly. Let me give you one real quick. Um, with one of our clients, uh, we did a thing to revitalize their mailing list where they hosted a series of webinars. And when mm -hmm. they registered for the webinars, they, you know, they answered their name and email address in the web form and it went into their shopping cart like normal. After they registered... They were taken to a page that says, to get your webinar details, click here. And by clicking mm -hmm. here, it activated a Facebook bot. Now, we also oh, emailed them for those people who just <laughs> didn't have Facebook. But, yeah. but our upfront conversation was click the button to get the information. I mean, yeah, as I said, I'll say it again. We did email them the information also, but we put that yeah. email on a one-hour delay so that they'd have to wait for it. So it would make it more tempting to click that button and get the details now. And we set up the bot. What's interesting say, about okay, that? Here, here's the date. Did yeah, you have to get them to give you their email? Yeah. You didn't have to get. Did you Did you ask for the oh, email, or did no, Facebook no, no. give you the email? No, let, let me Let me. It's an interesting thing, here. right? It's instant opt. Yeah, but it's walk. instant opt-in, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's one yeah, of the things yeah, I'm excited yeah. about it. Exactly. Yeah. 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 The part it's of like it. Yeah. The part of it. Let me just. Yeah. Let me walk you through it again. They entered their name and email address on a webinar registration page oh, and went into the it. email yeah. them like anybody else. But after they did that, when it took them to the page and said, thank you, you registered, you then have a button that says click here to get your link to attend the webinar. Right. By clicking yeah. the button, it activated a Facebook bot, and the bot served them the information. Now, for the people yeah. who don't have Facebook or don't want to use Facebook, we also emailed them their webinar link, but we set it on a one-hour delay, so it was a tempting thing was to click that button. Built this client a real nice uh, secondary list of people who were subscribed to the bot. So after we had done a few of these webinars, I found an afternoon where the client was around, and I said, hey, you there? Like, yeah. It's like, get on Facebook and log into your business page and just wait, wait for it. And so what I, done, I said, no, no, I didn't say play with it. I said, wait for it. Let's be clear with wait our terms it. here, Michael. I said, wait for it. <laughs> and I logged into the business page, or, or actually, I actually I logged into many chats so I could send out a broadcast to everybody who subscribed to the bots, and I asked them a thought-provoking question. And I phrased it in such a way like my client was actually like reaching out to them asking a question. Mm -hmm. After two and a half hours, my client got back to me and said, 
dude, I've got so many people asking questions here. Uh, I've got two new people in my coaching program. Uh, I, I need help with these. Some people oh. want to buy some products. What links do I give them and stuff like that? Holy hell. That's amazing, yeah. It was it's very ability, engaging. And I, I think that's just a great platform. Yeah, the, ability to create a, the ability to create a mass of one-on-one customized conversations by sending out right. one message. And how big is that guy? Uh, we're talking about somebody who has a 60,000 mailing list and uh, has been internationally recognized in this field for over 30 years. I mean, it's the guy who has... Like, is it like, how big is his company? Is it one person or like five people? Uh, behind the scenes, it's three people. But he serves... Uh, Amazing, about, right? He, yeah, yeah. And he, he serves something like... Uh, you know, he serves something like 15,000 sales of digital download products per year, and Incredible. he runs uh, online mastermind programs. I mean, the only thing he has to really show up and do is his coaching program. The rest of it is completely automated. Right. Amazing. But I you just know, wanted it's to not show, like I just wanted 300 to show people. Right. I just wanted to show think him. Think about, like, if that was the 70s, he'd need 300 people to do all that. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. But with him, all yeah. I have to do is say, hey, you got an hour? Go to your Facebook page, log into the inbox, watch this. And then I, I, I kept him busy making money for the rest of the afternoon. I'll tell you, the, the other platform I'm, I'm really interested in bullish on is voice, and specifically uh, yeah. the Alexa platform. And I know there's the Google platform okay. as well, um, but the Alexa program with uh, the ability to create skills. So it, when, I think when people start understanding what, you know, thinking in these terms of how do I reach, you know, potential customers. Oh, and Alexa's talking to me right now, actually, while I'm saying that. <laughs> As I say the name of I hear her. <laughs> I um, hear her. She's trying to, she's trying to get your attention. Go ahead. Yeah. But so, for example, you have a podcast, and you would be able to create a skill that would give a daily update through, uh, I should have turned Alexa off because she's like jumping into the conversation here. But, <laughs> but you know, as, as a content creator, I think so. I'll send you her number afterwards. But uh, oh, I, so I think you as a as a podcast creator, you would have the ability to create like a daily or a weekly update, and then a skill or a prompt. And I think that's amazing because this is a brand new voice platform where anybody could access it, and anyone that has those devices in their home would be able to, you know, for example, say, um, what's the business creator's update, you know, and it right. would come through and she would read the content from your RSS feed. Uh, so there's, there's some really interesting stuff there. And if you created at all any sort of app or, or digital product, um, oh, I'm getting bumped out there, any app or digital product, you could extend that to that same platform through the Alexa API. So it's really kind of interesting. It's like another really exciting platform that, you could be a one-person shop and do this stuff and reach, like, millions of customers. Like, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. Okay, so what I want to do is I want to shift gears here. We're already, like, three-quarters of the way sure. through this. It's so exciting. I love oh, yeah. this topic. Lion's but I want to kind of skip ahead a little bit. We've actually covered a lot of the things you wanted to bring to the table, just not in the exact order you gave them to us. And that's the way it yeah, goes okay. sometimes when we get one of these really exciting yeah. free flowers. But, so let's shift gears. Yeah. Are there any businesses out there that are immune to automation? Let's roll. Our, let's make sure we're rolling the right people in and out. My feeling is that there is not a single industry that is not being addressed by a new entrepreneur or a new technology or, you know, both combined. So I think the reality is if you're in business today and you're in any industry, I don't care what it is, whether it's an industry where you're making no margins or huge margins, 
that's a target. I, I think when you're seeing people addressing the transportation market, when you're seeing people addressing like the grocery market, these are these are low margin, high volume businesses that traditionally would shut out competitors, but those businesses are being turned on their ears by some form of digital technology. I don't think anybody is immune to it, but I also think that's opportunity. So I, I think no, I think everybody should look at how they can you know become or be you know fulfill their digital capabilities in their industry. I don't think there's anybody immune to it. Right. And especially if you're engaged again, in, I mean, hey, are, are you engaged in marketing? Are you engaged in sales? Are you engaged yeah. in customer support? If so, sorry, you need to look at how you digitally address that and, you know, look at your automation opportunities. Very true. Very true. You know, um, I, uh, one of the things I um, encounter sometimes when it comes to clients and things like that is uh, they, uh, they're not going to be eager to use, we were talking about at the beginning of this interview, schedulers. Because they'll say something right. like, well, well, my well, my audience doesn't want to use schedulers. They want you to have your assistant work with their assistant. And I said, have you actually asked them this? And they'll say, well, no, no, that's just that's just how it is. Like, oh, here's what, yeah. here's what we're going to do. We're going to have you try a scheduler and see how it works. And uh, if I can get them to the point, if I can get them, oh and if God. I get them about 90% of the time, where they're actually willing to try a scheduler, they actually get mm-hmm. surprised by the fact that people – in fact, some of the same people that were so worried that uh, you know they would actually have to dare to ask me to use the scheduler, give them the feedback of, "Wow, it's so cool! You made it so easy for me." Yeah, it's crazy. So the worst experience that I can have right now is when I, first of all, you know, the next generation of workers, you know, anywhere from between 18 and 36, like these are not always new people to the labor force or the consumer force. Uh, the last thing they're going to think of is to pick up the phone and call you. But if they do, right. the worst experience they get is to get a receptionist or a gatekeeper, right? It's like, what right. function do you have? I just want to get what I want. I'm used to being able to go on the web and get what I want and find the answers. Same thing with people. If I'm actually taking that initiative right. to call you, that's like my last-ditch resort, and I expect you to answer. <laughs> Not yeah. like, oh, my God, is, is it 1984? Like, what am I missing here? <laughs> You know, we've got to give a better that, experience, if, you know, overall, and that yeah. includes the telephone. That includes, like, booking. That yeah. includes, like, even email. Like, email is the next exactly. most painful thing to phone calls. And I think that's, you know, where there's, there's we got to even think through that process of how we respond yeah. and manage emails or direct people. Like, anyways, I think I agree yeah, you with know, you. It's kind of painful. Yeah. And, and and there's some automation. In some ways, it's on its way out and being replaced by other forms of sure. automation. Um, let me let me yeah. let me give you an, let me give you an example. One of the things I coach people to do, and I actually need to implement this for my own voicemail, but most people don't call my voicemail because they schedule with me. <laughs> yeah, funny thing. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, I ca- I counsel people if they don't have a system for triaging phone calls like I do to mm-hmm. structure their incoming structure their voicemail greeting when somebody has to leave a message. So first of all, not use that stupid phrase. I'm on the phone or away from my desk. No shit, Sherlock. <laughs> number one. Number two. Number yeah. two. Uh, here's what I do. I say I have them say like, "Hi, my name is Michael Devolano, and you've reached my voicemail. I look forward to speaking mm-hmm. with you. Uh, please leave a message or email me at aliasatdomain.com. Again, that's aliasatdomain.com. Thank you very right. much, and I look forward and I look forward to hearing from you. Now, notice. I've- I have a cool system for all this, brother. Yeah. (laughs) 
I, I, I bet you do. Notice what now. Notice that in addition to I'm on the phone and I read from my desk. Another thing that I never said in that greeting, I never said I will return your call. I never right. said that. Okay. All I said, I, 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 I mean, on the surface, at the conscious level, I made the suggestion without actually coming out and saying I don't check my voicemail. I made the suggestion that an email might be another way to get a hold of me. But I don't say don't leave a voicemail. But at the same time, I never say I will call you back. I don't right. make that promise at all. I simply say I look forward to hearing from you. So, so you're a better person than I am because I haven't that, had a voicemail greeting in about 10 years, and my, I purposely exactly. leave my voicemail full. <laughs> if you're going to call exactly. me I, I, and I, I don't just, answer, I'll, I'll either bit, call you back <laughs> or text I'll me. Just get, I'll, just get, I'll, just get, I'll just get in there. I'll just get in there. One, one more <laughs> tiny little piece there before we ask our next question of you. Is, um, is, is see, because the thing is, with you know, by phrasing it that way, you never promised you would call them back. So if they say you never yeah. called me back, you never promised you would. Number one, and right. if you choose to no, respond course. by email, like like you see their voicemail come in, you know the person, but you choose to respond by email instead. You never said you wouldn't. And going to your point, Michael, um, there are I can count on one hand how many people have my cell phone number. Um, let's see, right. my parents my best friends, whoever I'm dating at the time, and this one other dude. Mm -hmm. uh, if any of them call me, actually dial my cellular number, I already know who they are and what they want. Right, exactly. And they all say, yep, they, all say Adam, Adam, they all say, Adam, your emails, your voicemail's full. You need to clean that out. It's like, I say, oh, yeah, you're right. I'll get to it. But the fact is, I saw they called, and I'll call them back. I already know what they want. Yeah, totally. So I, I don't know. one it's form, just, one it's form maybe of automation. Thing, <laughs> yeah, one form of automation, the voicemail, and you and I are in the same boat where we just don't clean out our voicemail very often. One form of automation is replaced by another form of automation, which is pinging the person to let them know they got the message and can call the person right back mm -hmm. in another way. Yep. It skips a Auto step for them. text, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I'm, I'm bad that, that way. I, I love when I get texts from people about, hey, your voicemail's full. I'm like, yep, thanks for texting me. Yep. <laughs> thanks for letting me know. Thanks for letting me know. Yep. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 another, and another thing I have is I have, I, I have, I have one other rule, too, because I, I, you know, when, I'm not, when I'm at home or in my home office, I often I don't, want my, I don't want my smartphone next to me because I want to be focused on work. And if I'm you know, between my smartphone and this and that, so I have, so I have a role. Um, if you're, a, if you're a paying client of mine and it actually is an emergency, okay, you go to the telephone, you lift it up, you dial the number, and you call. Or you look at my Skype because you're paying me explicitly right. to have access to my Skype. Yeah. And you type three mm -hmm. words, got a sec. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, see how that works? Because my, rule yeah. is, don't ever because my rule is don't ever text me for a business-related reason because I will not answer it. And I've had clients try to say, hey, I was – you know, they were asking me business questions over text, and then they would get back to me later and say, hey, you never answered my text. And I said, yeah, I know I didn't because I said I wasn't. <laughs> you have my Skype. You have my phone number. You have my email. Yeah. You have my Facebook. You have my LinkedIn. I've given you five other ways that, that, that take literally the exact same motions that you would use to send a text to get to me that I've said that I would be responsive to. So I think the key in all this is it goes back to just, like, think about what, you, what works for you, but also what your experience, your customer experience should be, and then come up with a system. Yeah. Um, I'm probably the meanest around. I'm, I wouldn't say meanest, but I'm probably, you know, 
the most uh, I think I am. Aggressive I think I make you. <laughs> I make you look like a sweetheart, man. I make you look like a yeah, like a I'm, peach compared to me. And I and I say and I say this stuff so virulently because I want our listeners to hear that there's more than one way to do this. You find what is most comfortable for both you and your customers. Find out what works best for everybody. There's more than one way to do it, and almost everybody out there has access to multiple different ways. You don't have to follow exactly what one person tells you. And that's what I love about your book, Michael, is it gives them such a great thought process for figuring all this out in a way that works for them. Yeah, and I think that's what we want. We want um, we want people to be able to come up with their, their own game plan. Or, you know, if they need help, we can help them. But I think in the end, it's like come up with something that works for you and works for your customer, and then you're going to be committed to it. And at the same time, you're not just going to be randomly buying things and trying to implement them and hope they work. So I think then there's a way to do it that's uh, a little more effective. And hopefully yeah. with the book, that's the idea, or, you know, some of the other stuff around the book. Like, um, you know, one of the things that I'll do with customers is um, – you know, I'll work with like 10 to 20 companies a year, um, and we're, we call this program Accelerate. So it's like, you know, if you don't want to build your own game plan, but you need someone to act almost as your trusted advisor in your business, uh, you can have, you know, someone like me in your business, or specifically me. Uh, you know, you got a call a week, a strategy a quarter, and taking the leadership position around technology. And my approach, if you like it, is, um, you know, you can implement it in your own business. So that way you've got, like, some, you know, me as almost like your technology advisor or coach on your team without being full-time to your business. Um, so that's just another way, like, if it's still overwhelming to you to address product, if it's still overwhelming to you to address marketing, sales, and support in an automated way, there's an easy way to get resources and build your team out. And that's just one way that I can augment your team, for example. Exactly. Yeah, uh, exa- exactly. See, that is, and again, that's what makes all this automation stuff so much fun to me. And this is one of the things that, this is why I had to have you on my show, Michael. I had to have you. Oh, thanks. Because yeah, this, is what I call, this is what I call uh, a way of using minimalism to maximize your efficiencies and your profits. Makes sense to me. Something, something, some, something as simple, simple as an appointment scheduler. And you, Michael, showed right. me things I hadn't even thought about. Because of your perspective of it. So this is an example of talking about things that may sound like they're elementary, but you learned something. You said something to me that was so million-dollar, I'm going to repeat it, which is that people, when they call into your company, don't want to deal with gatekeepers. They don't want to deal with the receptionist running interference. They don't want to deal with leaving voicemails where you're on your phone away from your desk. They don't want to deal with that crap. They want to know, are you available now? And if you're not available now, when are you available? When? Having a scheduler answers both of those questions. And they don't right. have to. And by a scheduler, you mean like an thing online on your calendar. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, yeah like, an online, like an online scheduler. They don't have to deal with that. And then I don't have to pay somebody to manage my calendar. I don't have to have back and forth. And I don't have to deal with other people's back and forth. So they may say, well, schedulers are impersonal. I say that using the automation around appointment schedulers is actually a facilitator of human contact because it takes yeah, away barriers sure. and lets you deal one-on-one yeah. with the person. I agree. You go, like like for I, me, you go to schedulewithadam.com and you book something for Tuesday at 3 o'clock. If I've left my schedule open so I'm available Tuesday at 3 o'clock and you book me, I'm going to show up at Tuesday at 3 o'clock. And if something happens that I can't, right. I'm going to click another button that says, 
sorry, I need to reschedule this. My tooth just fell out. When when can you do it again? All automated. Yep. And I I, I think you know going back to that, not to belabor it, but if if someone's looking for like how do I get started in all this, I think there's yeah. that's probably one area where you can very easily do it. Um, aside from creating a complex plan, but to me it's you know yeah. get your website in order so that you've got resources where people can support themselves. Get uh, yep. get some sort of a database like a CRM to keep track of your customers yep. and your interactions with them, and then Bingo. Bingo. You know, the third the third step is just figure out how you're going to communicate with them. Are you get, is your primary channel email? Is your primary channel your social channels? And uh, you know just those are kind of the first three easy steps. Get your schedule under control. Have a way to keep track of your clients and your interactions with them, and then figure out your primary channel of communication. And then I think that gives you a foundation where you can just grow from there as much as you want, or you can just keep doing those three things, and it's probably going to change your life and your business. Exactly. So what I'd like to do now is um, we have just a couple minutes left here. Let me give uh, one or two of those minutes to you. And uh, you had something you wanted to share with our audience because we're just barely touching the tip of the iceberg on this. So Uh, Yeah, we could go on forever. (laughs) Um, So I guess if if, uh, people want to get a copy of Automate and Grow. It's on Amazon, so you can search Automate and Grow, um, and you can find it there. But if you go to automategrow.biz, the website, www.automategrow.biz, B-I-Z, and you put your email and your name in, it'll direct you to Amazon to get the book, but you'll actually get three free bonuses. Um, You'll get six months of Honcho CRM, which is a small business CRM product. Um, You'll get a free workbook, download that's part of the book that follows the process that I suggest in the book. Um, And then if you want and you have something you need to talk about, you can get a 30-minute Skype consultation with me directly. So I think those are three bonuses that uh, your audience can get if they're looking to get a copy of Automate and Grow. And otherwise, if you need help specifically with the Salesforce platform or you're just looking for ideas or you want kind of like a virtual CTO, then you can reach me at uh, robot at automategrow.biz or michael at cloudadvisory.io. And those are kind of my plugs for yep. today. <laughs> right. Those are the best yeah, no, I think no, those those are resources for me. That is some great ones. And everybody, subscribe to the iTunes channel. Go back and listen to all those. Um, I just want to say one final thing before we thank you here is um, this interview right. happened a little bit different than we had structured it. But where mm-hmm. I saw the thing instinctively going is I wanted our listeners, you who are listening today, to understand that automation starts with these small things, like, for instance, just scheduling somebody to speak with you or just the process of a customer getting a hold of you. You can remove so many steps by looking at digital automation. So then you take that to your team. Then you take that to your prospect. Then you take that to your product delivery. Then you take that to your fulfillment. And just think about all these things and where you can use simple technology to set you free. Michael Devolano, I want to thank you so much for being with us here today. Thank you. Um, AutomateGrow.biz. It's been an honor and education. Honor and education. Thank you. So Likewise. for everybody listening, thank you very much. We're, 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 we're both so excited, guys. We just can't stop. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yes. I was just no, saying, no, I was no, just no, saying no thank you for having me on. So. <laughs> you bet. Thank you for being here. All right, let's let's all right, let's play me out here. All right, this is Adam Homie, host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please check out our previous and our upcoming episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. Google it, you will find it. Where we help you win at the game of business and marketing. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.